If uh, you don't have a Bible in front of you or you don't want to read it and you want to see it on the screen, we have it up here. We have Bibles everywhere. We're like an Oprah episode. Bibles for everyone. Except we teach the truth about God. Um, And uh, so we're in Luke 10. Verse 25 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to use the first few verses here as sort of an intro uh, to what this message is all about, what this Good Samaritan message is all about. Verse 25 says... Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it or interpret it? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responded, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live, or, in other words, make it to heaven. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? So I apologize to anyone that's a lawyer, that's listening today, or watching, because the common stereotype is that lawyers will look for every loophole in the law to exploit it. And uh, here we have the Good Samaritan, and yes, this lawyer is doing just that. He's looking for that little loophole. He's, he's, he wants to sort of take Jesus' words about this neighbor, who is their neighbor, and he's going to use it against them. But Jesus, of course, will not be outwitted by this lawyer. How can you outwit God? You can't. So he's going to define neighbor, and he's going to use the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Household name, isn't it? The Good Samaritan? Been saying that forever. Usually people understand the Good Samaritan as someone who helps someone in need. Does that sound about right? A little feedback for the preacher this morning is always positive. All right. They even have Good Samaritan awards in communities. They hand out Good Samaritan awards. But unfortunately, I feel like the Good Samaritan that we see today is really an incomplete version of the Good Samaritan we see in this parable. It's incomplete. You see, Good Samaritans today will show compassion, as we sang. They'll they'll help someone in need. Um, They'll be recognized as someone who who wants to help, except they don't really show, it's rare, to see godly mercy. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about in this parable. Godly mercy. Mercy doing what Jesus would do. And I'm excited to show you how this good Samaritan is really Jesus in so many ways. He symbolizes, he represents Jesus, and I'm going to show you all the ways that he does that. But I'm also going to challenge you today to be the real good Samaritan. The real good Samaritan. I think it's wonderful that we have a giving tree and we bless families by buying presents for Christmas. But I'm going to show you today that being a good Samaritan goes way beyond that. And it helps people see that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And that only through him can we go to heaven. Will you pray with me? Father, today, your word, it's going to transform us if we allow it. Father, I don't want this just to be informational and inspirational. I want it to be transformational. I want us to 
to be impacted by your word in such a way that we are changed and that we're never the same. Father, I pray that the Good Samaritan, uh, it would just permeate our lives and that we wouldn't just want to do it in December when others are giving and get caught up in the spirit, but that we would do it every day, every month, every year. I pray this in Jesus' name. And church said, amen. Amen. So I'm going to go verse by verse through the story. Verse 30 is where we're going to go to next. Luke 10, verse 30. Jesus said, telling the story, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This man fell among some robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and they left him for dead on the side of the road. Not a good day for this man. What do we know about him? Well, the only thing we really know is that he was in Jerusalem, and he's heading back to Jericho. So we can kind of maybe make the assumption that he is a religious man, because Jerusalem is where the temple is, and he's probably a Jewish man, and he probably lives in Jericho. That's about all we can gather from the information that we have in this story. But I will tell you this, every one of us has something in common with this man, in the sense that he was going down. See, Jerusalem is up higher in altitude than Jericho, and he's going down, and we're going down. And I say that more of a figuratively because we are going down because we are all sinners. The Bible tells us in multiple places, I just give you a couple of them, but Psalm 51 says, David wrote, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In Romans 5.12, Just as sin came into the world through Adam, death through sin, and death spreads to all men because we have all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. If you don't agree with me, if you think everyone is good, and then we somehow turn bad, well, if you have ever seen a two-year-old or ever had children, you know you don't have to teach them to go through that terrible stage of life we call the terrible twos. They just naturally do it, don't they? Anybody got a terrible two running around right now? (laughs) Evie is right there. Um, Did anyone force you to lie when your mother said, who made this mess? And you're like, my brother, my sister. You didn't have to think about lying, you just did it. Did you think about your speed when the light turned yellow and you stepped on the gas and broke the law by going over the speed limit? No, we sin, we fall short of God's glory, but those are just the baby sins. I'm not even going to get into the big boy sins today. All right, we don't have to go there. We just know we're all going down. We're broken. We're beaten. We're laying on the side of the road, and we need help. If you need help, tell the person next to you, I need help. I need help. Well, there is help coming. We keep reading. Verse 31. Verse 31 tells us that by chance a priest was coming down the road. Oh, praise the Lord, a priest. A priest will surely help. Well, it says that when he saw this man laying on the side of the road, he just passed on by. My thought is, he's probably late for church. I had to get to church. So, verse 32, likewise, a Levite. Now, you should know that priests are Levites. So, this is supposed to be a holy tribe, this is a holy person. And he comes to the place, and he sees the man on the side of the road, and he passes by. 
He doesn't help either. Man, rough day for this guy, right? Out of all the people you expect to help him, it's these guys, these two men, priests, Levites, but they just pass on by. Apparently, they skipped empathy class in seminary. All right, they instead they went to the uh, Cobra Kai dojo. No mercy. Come on, I know some of you love that show now, right? I'm just a, I'm nostalgic. I just stick with Karate Kid, the original. As God's chosen people, though, I want you to be careful you don't become like the priest and the Levite. It's easy. There's actually a book out there called The Accidental Pharisee. We've got to be careful we don't become so religious that we forget to help those that are on the other side of the road, that are hurting. Why didn't they help this man? I assume it's because they assumed. They assumed that this man deserved his current situation. I mean, have you ever assumed that a homeless person must be homeless because they did something wrong? Have you ever assumed that a 40-year-old living uh, or a 40-year-old delivering pizza must be living in their parents' basement? Have you ever assumed a very young woman with a very older man must be a gold digger? Have you ever assumed before? If we're being honest, we've all done that. We've assumed that people deserve their situation. We do a lot of assuming. My point is this, assuming will cause you to walk on the other side of the road and ignore people that are in need and need help. So let's not assume. Let's let's see if we can help. And who does help this man? It's very interesting who Jesus picks in this story to help this man. Let's read verse 33. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw the man, he had compassion, and he helped him. He had compassion. The hero of the story is a Samaritan. And in case you don't know, uh, Samaritans are not 100% Jewish. In fact, Jewish people and Samaritans, they don't like each other. You read this in the Bible, you see this in the Bible. There is definitely division between the two. And it's primarily, it goes way back in time, that basically you have um, a mixed race of people, as they would call it, um, half Jewish and half Gentile. And they, uh, well, you see it. The, the Jewish people will go around Samaria. They tried to tell Jesus, oh, we don't want to go through Samaria. Let's go around Samaria when we go from Galilee to Jerusalem. Well, this Samaritan didn't make assumptions. He didn't allow prejudice to factor into his decision. He didn't care about the man's skin color. He only cared about his injuries. And he had compassion on this Jewish man. He helped him. He showed him mercy. I would really like our news stations to share more stories like this one instead of the ones that they show, which causes more and more division in our country. The beauty of Christianity is that it's not divisive because in Christ... We are all one. Doesn't it say that? Paul writes to Galatians. He says, for as many of you that were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. There's not Jew or Greek, not slave or free, not male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen to that? That's right. We need unity, not division. 
And here comes my favorite part of this parable. I believe the Holy Spirit just went, Matt, you've got to see this. This is amazing. I never saw this before until I studied this for this message. Verse 33, it says, A Samaritan had compassion. I just told you a Samaritan was both Jewish and Gentile. And Jesus is both God and man. Samaritans were despised by the Jewish people. Jesus was despised by the priests and the religious leaders. Are you seeing the connection between Jesus and this good Samaritan? Go on to verse 34. Four things we see in verse 34. The Samaritan went to him, bound up his wounds, poured oil and wine on him. Then he sent, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now let's just look at these four things. First of all, the Samaritan bound up his wounds. Peter tells us that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on that tree, the, the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you are healed. The Samaritan gave him wine. Alcohol is an antiseptic. Kills bacteria. That's why he did that. Jesus took wine and told his disciples in the upper room, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Samaritan put oil on the wounds. The oil was used medicinally to soften the wound, to heal, to bring healing to the wound, almost like Neosporin would for us today or something like that. And as you know, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when he comes, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the spirit of truth will come and guide you into all truth. Doesn't the truth of the gospel soften people's hearts and bring them to Christ and set them free? The truth will set you free. It heals your soul. The Samaritan carried the man to the inn. Put him on his horse or donkey and carried him to the inn. In Luke 15, verse 4 Jesus says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one when it's lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices as he carries it back home. The good shepherd carries you back home. And then verse 35, the next day the Samaritan took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, if it's more, I'll repay it when I come back. And what did Jesus say in Revelation 22, verse 12 and 13? Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done, because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Good Samaritan represents Jesus in many ways. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever seen that before? This is the first time I've seen that, and it's just wonderful. Next time you read the Good Samaritan, next time you think of the Good Samaritan, you'll just think about all those ways, I hope, that that Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Verse 36 and 37, Jesus goes on to say, Which of these three do you think 
prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. Now he's addressing that lawyer. And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, that's right. Now you go and do likewise. And this is the challenge for all of us today. How are we to be good Samaritans? Real good Samaritans. Not ones that that just help out a little bit around the holidays or do nice things. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay what we do, but I'm saying be a real good Samaritan to show mercy, godly mercy. Let me give you three examples of how you can be a good Samaritan today, this week, all year long. First of all, you can be a good Samaritan to beggars. You probably don't have to go very far, and someone will beg you for money. It's happened to me in multiple places, multiple times. Happens in the church parking lot. Happens, seems like, when I um, stop at any store along Gratiot. Gratiot seems to be a place where there's a lot of people that are begging for money. It happens when you pull off the freeway and you see a person sitting there with a sign. They're begging for money. How can you be a good Samaritan to those that are asking you for money, asking for a handout? Usually when they do, they have a very compelling reason as to why they need money. And I wonder when you, if you're being honest, and I'm being honest right now, I know when I was talking about assuming, it got real quiet in here, uh, and I'm sure it'll get even quieter now, but when a person gives you the reason they need the money, do you instantly doubt what, they say, what they're saying is the reason? Do you instantly doubt it's the truth? Do you, do you, does a skeptic come out in you and you think, that's probably a lie. I, I probably know what you're going to do with this money if I give it to you. Now, most of the time, we're in a hurry when someone kind of confronts us and asks us for money, begs us for money. And so we usually make one of two decisions. One decision that we usually make is we simply respond and say, no, I don't have any money. And then we duck our eyes down like the paparazzi is chasing us. <laughs> and we're out of here. Leave me alone. I got to go. That's usually what some of us do. The other choice will depend upon the reason that they need the money. If they said, well, I just need some gas money to get from here to there, uh, you might dig in and give them a little bit. Or if they say, oh, I need some money to feed my babies. Oh, man, now we're pulling on some heartstrings. So now we might dig a little bit deeper. But if you ever give someone money, you, you leave that situation and you feel a little indifferent, don't you? You feel like, all right, I, I feel good, I helped someone. But then you think, yeah, but are they really going to use it for what they were supposed to use it for? You can't help but think, well, maybe they're not going to use it for that. Maybe they're going to go get drunk or buy some drugs or something like that. We, we, we always kind of think we go there. So it's a little bit of an indifferent feeling that we have. If I'm way off on this, by the way, you can send me an email later or give me a call and you let me know. But I think I'm on track. Here's my point. Neither of these choices are really being a good Samaritan because we really haven't shown the person godly mercy. We haven't shown them godly mercy. 
When Jesus helped someone, healed someone, he always connected it to the spiritual healing. He'd feed 5,000, and then he would teach them, I'm the bread of life. He would talk to the woman at the well about water and tell her, I'm the living water. He said, I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the true vine. And he'd explain why. He always brought it to the spiritual healing. So the next time someone begs you for money, be a real good Samaritan and have a conversation with them and tell them about your Jesus. Tell them about your Jesus. Jesus is the one who can truly meet their need. Yeah, I understand. At that moment, and I know many people are so... I was thinking about this yesterday as my wife dragged me around Target. <laughs> I volunteered to go with her. But we're in Target, and I saw there was a lot of sleds. And I thought to myself, boy, as soon as the snow hits, those are gone off the shelf. And that's so much like us, though. We wait to the last minute. We, we sort of respond at the last minute, and then there's going to be a flood of people wanting sleds, and there's no more sleds. Am I right? Is that kind of how it goes? We rarely think ahead. And so, yeah, I get it. Some of these people, I know. You know, they're living minute to minute, right? Paycheck to paycheck or, or whatever. And that's, what, that's all they can think about right now is I need $20 for whatever it is they need $20 for. But I'm telling you that what we need to do to be a good Samaritan is we need to really have a conversation with them. We need to get past those layers and get down and really find out what their need is. And we know what their need is. They need God. And some of them, a lot of times, the conversations I've had with people, they know God. They've come here because they, 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 want, they want more than just a handout for food or whatever. They want Jesus. They want to get closer to God. Same reason why so many people come to church on Sunday. They want to get closer to God. They want to be in his presence. A few months ago, I was um, in, in the church here doing some work, and a woman was stocking the food pantry that we have here. Anybody can come 24-7, bring, drop off food, take food. So it's a great thing that was started here by Bernadette's, and we have this food pantry, so it's awesome. Well, this woman was bringing some foods and dropping them off, and then she knocked on the door, and I answered, and she handed me this... Uh, kind of uh, says, here, I, I want to give this to someone in need. And it was, it was mostly change, but it was about $7. And so I put it in an envelope, and I said, thank you. I said, I, I, will, I will try to help someone in need. And so um, she left, and then I went to New York Deli because I was hungry. I'm kidding. I didn't do that, all right? I'm just joking. <laughs> but they really do have good soup, so if you, not on Sunday. Seven bucks, I get a big thing of soup, you know. I put it in the offering basket back there, and I wasn't quite sure how God was going to use this money. I didn't really know at the time I was busy, and I was... So anyway, the next day, a guy comes by, knocks on the door, and asks for money for food. And I just went, I got some for you. And I went and got the money, and I handed it to him. I said, hey, somebody just dropped this off yesterday, wanted to bless someone, here you go. You're... Okay, thanks. And I just wish, though, I would have done more. Like, I would have had a deeper conversation with the man about a greater need that I'm sure that he has. But this is what God can do. This is 
what we need to do. We need to be discerning about giving money, just handing over money to people that, that give you a reason for whatever they need the money for. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Isn't that, isn't that what John 16, 13 tells us? That the Spirit comes and guides us in truth. That was a situation where the Lord obviously put that together. Here's a woman, wants to help someone. Here's a man, needs help. But we need to have conversations so we can help because they need something much greater than a meal. We all do. And if you're struggling, if you're like, I don't really want to, come on, Pat. I, I'm not good at talking to people like that. Give them our phone number, 586-381-4852. I will call them. They can call me. Take their number. I'll call them myself. All right, we'll reach out to them. Trust me, we'll have a conversation with them. Secondly, you can be a good Samaritan to those that deserve a beating. Yeah, lots of people you know out there, they deserve what's coming to them. Think about it. You know someone out there. They're just mean. There's mean people out there, is there not? There's ruthless people out there, messed up. And you know they need a beating, but we're supposed to show mercy. Jesus told another parable I preached on a little while back about the unforgiving servant. It was the man who went to the king and he owed him 10,000 talents. And remember, I did the math for you. That was 73 million days of work. There's no way he was paying this guy back, paying the king back. And he pleaded for mercy and the king said, I'll show you mercy. Go. Go. I'll, I'll release you today. And then on his way home, he finds someone that owes him 100 denarii, which is 100 days worth of work. And he basically beats the guy down and throws him in prison. He has no mercy on that guy. Remember that story? Yeah. So the kind of mercy that Jesus said is the kind that forgives and forgets. And to forget is not to have amnesia. It's to choose not to act. It's to not hope and pray that that person gets their beating. Forgive and forget. Jesus or uh, Joseph's brothers in Genesis, they deserved a good beating. Threw the poor boy in a, in a pit, sold him to slavery, you know the whole story. And then it comes full circle, right? Joseph is in a position of power and his brothers are begging for food. And he could have gave him that beating, but he didn't. Genesis 50, 20 tells us, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God has used this whole thing to preserve our family. So Joseph was truly a good Samaritan. He showed godly mercy. He forgave and he forgot. And I hope you'll do the same. I hope you'll be a good Samaritan like Joseph was. Lastly, we should be a good Samaritan to different ethnicities. I always hesitate to use the word race because no one ever says to somebody, what race are you? That's something, I guess, maybe on a census or something. But we use that word race and, you know, there's a big problem with critical race theory being taught in some schools and so on and so forth. As we all, I always, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, there's only one race, right? The human race. God has made one race. So I, I hate to even use that word, so I use ethnicity, but here we have a Samaritan man who helps a Jewish man, two different ethnicities that didn't like each other at the time in that culture. And this story is wonderful because our, obviously our country at this time needs to hear stories like this one where we have different cultures helping each other 
And I couldn't help but think of Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah, it's a very short read. You can read it today, probably in less than 30 minutes. Go home and read it. Jonah, it's the cool story of, you know, kid's story. Jonah gets swallowed by a whale, right? But the story really is all about Jonah, who's supposed to go and preach to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites are a people group that he doesn't like, and he, in fact, he hates them. He despises them. They're different than him. They're brutal and so on. And he doesn't want to go preach to them, but God calls him to preach to the Ninevites. But Joseph doesn't want to go to the other side of the road. He wants to go to the other side of the sea. I mean, he's on a ship and he's gone. Well, then he spends three nights in the whale bed and breakfast. And then he gets vomited up on the beach. And now he's like, okay, I better go. And he preaches to the Ninevites. And they repent. They come to, they come to God. They turn to God. And of course, this story is always to me a reminder that Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and behold in heaven a great multitude. No one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. They're standing before the throne of God, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. That's, my, that's our view. That's the reality of heaven. We're all there. We're all there together, worshiping the one true holy God. And so this is the challenge for us, to be good Samaritans, to people that we probably wouldn't normally be a good Samaritan to. There's people that you're going to want to walk on the other side of the road to avoid. But we need to be good Samaritans. And not just show a little bit of compassion. To show godly mercy. To have conversations with them to lead them to Christ. Because that's what they need. They need Christ. And we're called to make disciples, are we not? Isn't that the great commission that Jesus gave? Go and make disciples? And aren't we doing that here at Life of Purpose Church? We're making disciples. There's a reason why, as John shared, the budget is going up each year. Because we're doing what God has called us to do. He's blessing that. We're making disciples. That's what's important. But we really need to make it a priority. It's not supposed to be an accident. It's supposed to be an emphasis, a priority. And so what I'm asking you to do, the challenge for you, is to pray for God to show you someone you can give godly mercy to. Someone you can maybe have a conversation with. Maybe it's someone that, maybe it's a homeless person that you see regularly because of the route you take to work or school. Or maybe somebody's just going to show up at a moment when you're probably too busy to stop and talk, but God is going to do it. And I'm just asking you to pray and have and, and ask God to help you be ready. And take the time, take the time to show some godly mercy and help people see, see our Jesus. Because our Jesus is wonderful, isn't he? He loves us so much. He's the epitome of the Good Samaritan. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to follow and be like Good Samaritans.